And good morning. Welcome to the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God. I am your host, John Fowler, and I am the pastor of the Pulse Church in Gasway, West Virginia. Today is Monday, January the 30th. You believe we made the month. We made it through the rain. Yeah, we did. And uh, we made it through Sunday, too. I mean, God just moved in a mighty way in both locations. If you haven't heard Pastor Jay's message uh, on Jesus Semicolon Together, Part 3. I encourage you to catch that on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, as well as the message that I preached yesterday entitled uh, Biblically, Biblical Decision Making is what I preached on. Biblical Decision Making, you can catch that on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, as well as Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. We're on all of the networks that you are on, so we encourage you to check us out. So let's pray over this day, and then we'll get into summarizing the message from yesterday. Father, we just love you. We thank you for a great day. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing great things in our lives, and help us to be what you've called us to be. Use us for your kingdom, glory, and honor, and we give you thanks. And Father, we just pray over this week, Lord, that you help us to be what you've called us to be, and we give you thanks and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you're making decisions, what you want to do is you want to allow God to help you in these decisions that you have to make. So that's why we call it biblical decision-making. So when you define what the Bible is, the Bible is a message about God's Word to save His people for His glory. That's the whole, that's the whole thing about the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like to have a Bible, just text me or let me know. And we will send you one free of charge, courtesy of the Pulse WV Live. Now, making decisions is the process of making choices by first gathering information and assessing the resolution because you ultimately want to get to a solution. So you have to have a process of making choices, but you first have to gather information. You have to know what is going on. I was telling them yesterday uh, when I went to grad school, uh, I had to take statistics. Well, statistics wasn't my my forte, so to speak. But what was and what I learned out of statistics was I learned uh, that you cannot solve a problem unless uh, you can only solve a problem by what you know. You can only solve a problem by what you know. You can't speculate on on issues or problems. You have to know the cold, hard facts, so to speak. Once you figure out the the cold, hard facts, then you are able to make a, a, a decision on the choices that you have to make. Let me tell you something. Get the facts yourself. Do not listen to hearsay. Do not listen to people that you don't trust. Do not listen to people that, um, that maybe have an, uh, that have an agenda that is not a good agenda, which you will find many times within churches today that people are that way. Sometimes they're even like that in the workplace. They have an agenda. Don't take people's word unless you know all the facts and that you see the evidence. <clears throat> and then what you can do at that point is you could begin to make the, the, the choices that you need to make. Now, there are three steps in understanding decision-making and how to use God's word to confirm your decision. And the first thing is, is you have to identify the problem. And so you have to ask the question, Why? Just like statistics, you cannot solve a problem unless you, you can only solve a problem by what you know. So here's several things that you have to do. You have to ask yourself why. Now, I'm going to give you three scenarios 
on uh, on on people's lives and what I hear that people are going through. Why do I have greed in my heart? Okay, so you ask yourself, okay, why do I have greed? So you have to begin the process of making a choice and gathering information. Okay, why am I this way? Then you have to ask yourself the question, uh, I'll give you another example. Why do I backbite and gossip? I'm a Christian. Why do I do those things? And I'm not saying me. I'm saying in general, I'm just throwing these things out. And then the third thing is why do, uh, why do people have lust and sexual sin? That is one of the biggest things right now in this world today uh, is lust and sexual sin. So the next step is <clears throat> you need to find you in the Bible. Find you in the Bible, not your brother, not your sister, not your dad, not your mom, not the person that you want to blame, but you have to find you in the Bible. Once you find you, then you find your, your situation in the Bible. It's in there. It's like nutrients and cornflakes. It, the, your situation is in the Bible. It's not in the psychic hotline. It's not in the palm reading. It's in, it's in finding out what God wants, and it's in the Bible. And you can find your situation in the Bible, and you find you in the Bible. One of the things that I said, and this is uh, this was in my message yesterday that you can listen to in Galatians chapter five twenty three. One of the things that people lack in is self control, and self control means to control oneself, uh, gentleness, self control, and and many people have that. Well, <clears throat> you know, I gave them a piece of my mind because I felt like it. Well, Christian, the Christian life is not how you feel. You cannot base your walk on how you feel because there may be some days you may wake up and you don't feel saved, but that doesn't mean you're not. So you have to control self, You have to, which means to have self-control. So <clears throat> what you have to ask yourself this question is um, you have a challenge with self-control, which means that there's parts of you and me that are not dead. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, when you look at, let me give you a scripture here. I'm going to read the whole thing like I did yesterday. Um, over in Romans chapter 6, <laughs> actually, I can give you this scripture while I'm looking up the rest of it. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, sin does not have power over a dead person. Sin does not have power over a dead person. So if you are dead to the sin of uh, let's let's say that you, let, let me say these three things that we were talking about here a little bit, a little bit ago, uh, greed in your heart. If you're dead to greed, then then greed won't affect you. If you're dead to backbiting and gossip, then it won't bother you. If you are dead to sexual sin, then it will not bother you. And that means you have to put it on the cross. You have to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I have to have your help. I cannot do it. I need you. When you ask God for help, and that's what many people don't do today, you have to ask God for help. Sometimes you might be ashamed of taking the first step, um, you know, of, of going through something. You, and, but listen, you're not the only one that's ever gone through what you're going through. Let me tell you that right now. You're not the only one. Don't let the devil tell you that, that you're the only one and that you'll be embarrassed and the first step of getting help is to tell somebody. Absolutely. 
So if you can get dead to these sins by putting them on the cross and saying, Father, I just can't do it without you. I need your help. Then he will help you. Now listen to what Romans chapter 6. Let me give you the whole, the whole shebang here. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, you, do, you shouldn't have to wake up every day and say that I'm a sinner. It's like I said yesterday in the sermon, if, you're, if you haven't had a drink in 30 years and you were an alcoholic 30 years ago, but you haven't had a drink and, and you feel like God set you free, then why continue to call yourself an alcoholic? If you haven't done drugs in 20 years and, uh, and, and you feel like you're delivered, why do you call yourself a drug addict? That, you're just keeping the status quo over you and you should need to quit that. And that's the same within church. You know, and I'll read to you, but I hear many people say from the from the pulpit and in testimonies, and they're a Christian, and but yet they say, I'm a sinner. Well, how can you be both? How can you be? Now listen to this. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Knowing ye not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus, were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism unto death, that like as Christ, we were raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. That's why you're no longer a sinner, is because you're walking in the newness of life. Your spirit is saved. Now, your flesh needs work. Your flesh absolutely needs work. Every place the Bible says, uh, talks about your flesh, it needs to be crucified. Absolutely. Preach Brother John. Okay, here's what verse 5 says. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our, God, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There you go. Right there it is. That's it, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, body of sin, shall be destroyed, that henceforth we shall not serve sin. Verse 7 says, for he that is dead is free, freed of from sin. So that means if you can get, if you can get dead to, to the sins, that, that the secret sins, the things that you do when nobody's watching, you can get dead to those things. Put them on a cross, crucify it daily, then you can walk in victory. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe, verse 8, that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Then it goes on to say, neither yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God, that those that are alive from the dead for your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Wow. <clears throat> that is a mouthful. But is that not the truth? So 
what you have to do is control self, and you have to put whatever whatever ails you, so to speak, whatever sins that you continue to do on a regular basis, you know what they are. And what you do is you put those on a cross and you die daily to it. And Romans chapter 6 and 1 through uh, 14 will tell you that you can make it and you could do it. So the second thing is, is the, the Bible will help you root out your sin. Uh, so the second thing is to establish a decision criteria. You, uh, you are working towards a resolution. You're working towards the conclusion of fixing this. Okay, so what you've done, you've identified the problem. You can only solve a problem by what you know. Uh, so if you eat cheeseburgers and french fries every day with no exercise, well, that kind of decision right there is going to lead you into the hospital or high cholesterol or heart bypass. So you have to ask yourself the question is, if I choose to do this moving forward, in my actions, what are going to be my consequences? Who will this affect? Will this affect my job, my marriage, my children, my church, my retirement? So you might say, well, nobody's going to know if I keep doing this sin. I can control it. It's going to be okay. But let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. That's what it does. You can look it up. When sin is finished, it says, and it, after it conceives and sin is finished, it brings forth death. Now, one of the things that you have to do is you have to say, God, I need your help. I cannot quit this. I cannot start this. I need your help. And so you go to James chapter 1, verse 5, and this is the New Living Translations. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you and will not rebuke you for asking. He's not going to shame you. He's going to say, I'll help you through this because my son died on a cross for this and I can help you. Uh, so what you have to do is, as an example, uh, I've asked God for wisdom um, and I got the answer fast on some occasions. But then there's sometimes that you have to seek. Sometimes you have to knock. Sometimes you have to wait for the answer. Because let me tell you something. There is nothing lost. Now listen to this. There is nothing lost in waiting. If you're if you're working on a decision, you're getting ready to make a decision, sometimes you need to slow down and let God catch up. And then when he catches up with you, and you can listen to him, walk hand in hand with him. Here's what Matthew 7, 7 says. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So one of the other things that you have to do is evaluate your situation, which is number three. What does God say about your decision with your relationships, job, the church, going on vacation? If you don't hear from God back on this thing, don't move forward until you have peace. When you find that you have peace over that situation, have people pray with you. Get accountability partners and, and pray with you about certain things. Don't do anything until that you find peace. If there's no peace, then don't do it. And I promise you, it will, it will help you out of many, many, many circumstances that could ruin your life. So that's what I know about uh, biblically, uh, biblical uh, decision-making. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest decisions that you can make is accepting Jesus into your life. And you can do that by saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. 
come into my life and use me for your kingdom, glory, and honor. You prayed that prayer, and I guarantee you, you are on your way to heaven. We're so thankful. Uh, we have a program called Gospel Quest, and uh, and Haley does a great job with that. And um, and we've continued to have children saved in that program. And God is doing great things, for sure. I'm so thankful for what he's doing. So if you... Um, if you can share, like, and subscribe, we would appreciate that. One way you can bless this ministry, is, uh, and you'll get blessed in return, is uh, text the word PULSE to 1304-244-3187. You could go to thepulsechurch.com, give through PayPal, or mail your love gift to P.O. Box 141, Gasaway, West Virginia, 26624. Join me again tomorrow, Tuesday, John Sandy. For the next edition of the Pulse WV Live and Network that beats to the heart of God, have a great day, everybody. 